0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are here in high summer. Free agency stuff is dying down. Schedules are rolling out for, uh, for training camps and rookie tournaments or prospect tournaments, however you care to term them. Um, we'll soon know, uh, what the teams are going to really, really look like since almost half of the teams in the league are over the cap, almost half as calculated by our good buddies over at, um, cap friendly are, there's a dozen teams over the cap. Or close to, or there were a dozen earlier in the week. I believe it's down to like eight or nine today. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals, Florida Panthers, who we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks, Philadelphia Flyers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Pittsburgh Penguins, Vegas Golden Knights, um, and oddly and surprisingly, the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams. Uh, But even the next two or three teams on the list uh, in terms of spending, they're only a little under the cap. Uh, The Habs have two hundred and forty eight thousand dollars and change in cap space. Uh, The Blues, six hundred and twenty five thousand. The Rangers, a million.
1: They can they can actually get a player.
0: The Rangers could actually get a player, barely. Yeah,
1: they signed but, to they sign somebody to an entry level at like nine hundred twenty five thousand,
0: or a league I'm, minimum, uh, league minimum veteran of like seven fifty, six six fifty, whatever it is this year.
1: Montreal and St Louis can buy some equipment. That's about it.
0: Montreal and St Louis can hope that they don't have in, any injuries for two months, um, which isn't the way the NHL works. I think the one surprise
1: for me out of those top, out of those 10 teams or the two surprises are the are the Oilers and the Canucks because they are both seriously below roster size. Most oh, of yeah. the ones most of the ones on here are like 22 out of 23, a couple are actually 24 out of 23, but Oilers are only at 19 and Vancouver's only at 20.
0: When you look at that roster for Vancouver.
1: And yet they're over the
0: cap. They still have McLeod and Yamamoto to get signed. Yamamoto is, I believe, one of the... uh, Kyler Yamamoto is, I believe, one of the players scheduled for arbitration uh, in a couple of weeks. Ryan McLeod, unsigned. Um, Even if they send one of their... uh, Even if they send Philip Broberg, who's on an entry-level contract and who can slide... uh, without waivers to uh, to the AHL that only gives them 860 and cap 860,000 in cap space which is you know less than a third of what they need
1: I mean the thing the thing with Vancouver is that they've got all of their important or perceived to be important players sign I mean you're looking at guys like um Actually, they're all signed for 2023. Um,
0: yeah. The Canucks aren't in terrible shape for this. But they've
1: season. got. But they've got all their big name: they, Elias Petterson, Besser, Horvat, Miller. They're all signed, and there's still the whole: Are they trading JT Miller or not? And I'm still there depressed.
0: There is a trade that was uh, proposed this week that we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes. But what happens with the Vancouver Canucks over the next 14 months? We'll call it 14 months. Okay. Might be the most interesting of any team in the Western Conference, even the Vagabond Dogs, even the Chicago Blackhawks, who are not even pretending not to tank. Um, Because you have this question – are you keeping your veteran in J.T. Miller? Are you going, committing fully to your youth and um, and extending Pedersen? You really can't keep them without moving multiple other pieces.
1: Well, they've got another year under Pedersen. They've got this season coming up and the next season. So they've got a little bit of time to deal with Pedersen.
0: A they've little got- wiggle room. But, but Horvat, their captain, is also hey. a UFA next season. Uh, as is JT Miller. Yeah. Got, uh, they've got they've got back end players. You know Luke Shen, who's 32 at this point. Next season he be becomes next season. a musician. Not a big deal. But between just the star forwards who are due contracts this year, or who are due contracts next year, or the year after. They've got worries to admit. They've got worries. Uh, Tanner Pearson do a contract about the same time
1: probably as Elias Patterson.
0: Now. Um, and then Brock Besser is the year after. It's gonna be hard to make room for most of these players because there's no way you're signing all of these players.
1: No, like I said, pay, uh, Tanner Pearson is probably gonna be gone. He's probably a placeholder for a younger, a younger forward. Uh, at three and a quarter mil, he could even be a deadline deal. He's got some term. He can, he can play, specialty teams. I mean, he could end up being a deadline deal depending on how it goes. It, they, between now, it, it, for them, I would say next year is the bigger worry. They, I mean, they've got. I'd start looking at things like, what are we going to do with Patterson? What are we going to do with, you know, obviously you got to worry about Horvat and whether you're going to do anything with Miller or if you're going to keep him. But the bulk of their, you know, Micaiah, pa- Pearson, Dickinson, who they probably should consider hanging on to, it, um, they've got an- another year. They need to start figuring the numbers out now, but, they don't need to go into full panic mode over those players yet. But yeah, you're, you're captain, you need to get something done. Unless and you're moving before on.
0: Before we even get to the four million and change they have on the injured reserve. Um Tucker Pullman, Nils Hogland, Brady uh Brady Keeper.
1: And Both the thing those, is the the one
0: name players on run to thirty.
1: And the one name on that list that eh, for me is the biggest name on that list is Niels Hoglander he actually showed a little bit of flash and until he got hurt i mean Hoaglander showed a little bit of flash a little bit of a, a little bit of finesse decent player right there nils Hoaglander. so you got to worry about what's going on with him more than anything else i don't know as much about Tuck, about tucker pullman a 29 year old right defenseman and, you know and brady keeper 26 year old and I've never heard of Brady keeper. So
0: here's a question. I'm going to ask you what, what some might consider an unthinkable question. Uh, We both know that I don't necessarily believe in those. In order to alleviate cap space, Mm -hmm. given who they have in their, in their prospect pool, and in standing behind this guy, assuming you don't expect to compete in the next two seasons, yeah, is trading Thatcher Demko an option? Ooh, trade Thatcher Demko. You have Spencer Martin behind him, um, and then you have Michael DiPietro. Well-respected prospect. Um, But every time time
1: he's – every time DPHO has been called up, he struggled.
0: I I think some of that has been the team. Um, I would like to believe that he's going to do better. Um,
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Like uh, not last season, the season before, he had a – in 38 games for the or for the of Comets, he had nine, a 916 save percentage. You've also got Colin Delia, um, who has played uh, some reasonable hockey. I think everyone knows he's not an elite number one goaltender at this point, but he was also undrafted. But he's uh, you can throw him into the net and get reasonable play.
1: I think, and again, opinion. I don't. I'm not linked into the Vancouver network or anything. But I think the fact that they were willing to let Markstrom go tells me that they are going to hang on to Demko. That he is their he is their guy going forward. Yes, they had. Uh, I mean, they brought in they brought in um, um, Holpi. Mm-hmm. Didn't stick around.
0: Well, Holtley was terrible for a couple of years.
1: Yes, I understand that, but I, I just think that I don't, I don't foresee them dealing Demco. Is it the right, uh, is it the right move? It really depends on what direction they're expecting to go. If they don't think they're going to be going for going anywhere forward, they need to figure out what they have. Is they need to figure out what DiPietro is going to give them. Seriously, figure it out, because the times that he's been brought up, he hasn't looked good. Is it is it a a team playing in front of him was horrible? Is it he was just not having a good day? I mean, I, I get it. The the sample size is tiny. It's three games in the NHL and one game one game and done one game and done one game and done where he had a goals against of 7 then a goals against of 7.16 then a goals against of 3.14 hey he stops some pucks but his save percentages are 708 857 and 824 So not stopping high percentage of shots they need to figure out what he's got cuz in the in the minors he in the AHL and and when he was with Windsor and, and when he's on the Canadian U-20 team, he looks fabulous. But when he comes up to Vancouver, he's just not making that leap. And is it because they're not giving him a try? Is it because they're not – they need to figure out what they've got with him. Seriously. And that would be the only way they can deal Demko. Other than that, I think that Demko is their, their guy. So I don't think he's going anywhere.
0: I – I personally have would have an issue with it Um, if they did it this year, even though I think the team in front of him is capable of being useful. I think even in the Western Conference. You might have to accuse them of tanking because Demko, while not spectacular, is still a viable NHL goaltender. Mm hmm. I'm not 100% sure that the guys behind them can make up he's looked, most of the gap. He's
1: looked phenomenal at times. I mean, made saves that it's like, wow, okay, you know, this guy's finally arrived. And then he'll throw at a game that's uh, cringeworthy. So it, it, it's he's still not the unmitigated success that. <sighs> than I'm sure they were hoping for. But 915 save percentage for the last two seasons, and he's improved year over year. And then in the playoffs back in 1920 or oh, the pretend offs, whatever you want to call them, was that the pretend off year, 1920? Um, I believe so, yeah. I mean, played in four games, had a .64 goals against and a 985 save percentage. I'm not saying he has to replicate that, but the last time he last time he was in the playoffs was for Utica, and he had a 9.27 with a 2.6. If he could replicate his Utica performance, uh, maybe lower the goals against a little, and yeah, he'd be fabulous. I mean, he's improved his numbers year over year. I, I think that he's. He's a starting NHL goaltender. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a great NHL goaltender yet because I haven't seen it. The goals against is still a little high, but as you say, that's a team number more than anything else. But he's still got to stop the pucks. I mean, but a 9:15. The arguments go both ways. I think that they hang on to him. And like I said, the the fact that they made a deal, the fact that they let Markstrom go, whether he signed or traded or whatever it was, I don't remember. But the fact that the fact that they let him go. It tells me that Demko's their guy. And I think they'd upset a lot of Vancouver fans if they if they moved him.
0: Absolutely. Um, let's uh, dive into what t- that teeny tiny scrap of Boston Bruins non-news. Hey, they're talking. They're Talking to Pavel Zaka, who's headed for arbitration on August 11th, um, Bruins currently have four and a quarter million in cap space uh, per cap friendly. Um, that would theoretically be the number that they would need to ma- need to fit Zaka, Bergeron, and Krejci into. Into four, four and three quarters million? Four and three quarters million in actual salary. Now, Four, for bonuses, you can yeah. go over. Okay. Uh, there's that cap penalty the next season. Uh huh. So, assuming they give two million, two and a quarter million to Pavel Zaka, mm-hmm. that's two and a half million in salary. For Bergeron and Krejci, what okay. sort of performance bonuses are you going to give those guys? One hundred and fifty thousand per game. Um, <laughs> is it every ten or like every ten points you get two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand? How are you How are you hitting really reasonable salary numbers for these guys? Uh, Do I think
1: see. For, for Krejci, the bonus would be he played the game without getting without getting injured.
0: <sighs> Krejci isn't is actually more durable than some people give him credit for. I, I'm not saying he's going to have an Iron Man streak or anything like that, but he he plays a reasonable amount of games, especially for a guy who's never been fast and is pretty wiry. I mean, Tyler Sagan used to refer to him as French Fry. And I'm pretty sure that was a general bodily description, given that he's um, not the most athletic Bruin ever to pull on the jersey.
1: Okay, but uh, I'm just I'm just saying you want to try and find ways to give him bonuses. Uh, There's going to be bonuses for games played. There's going to be bonuses for points, uh, different tiers, I'm sure.
0: Oh, wait a minute. How about how about bonuses for their uh, for their off ice media appearances? You know, post game, mid uh, mid game, mid game media strums. like fifty thousand for each one.
1: Like if they sit down and talk to Sopeia Yerstevich? Uh,
0: well, in between Sophia, during the during the game, you know, they they come out into the tunnel, they put the Nessun towel around their neck and talk for. Forty-eight seconds, where they basically say, "Yeah, we re- we really need to bear down and concentrate on the system." <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so you're gonna give them bonuses for media appearances. Give them a bonus for. Um, give
0: them bonuses for charity appearances. Because that's what I was bad. gonna say.
1: I was trying to think of the word nonprofit. Yeah, charity appearances.
0: Um. Oh, and let's see. And then for the playoffs, um, how about you give them like a $3,000 bonus for every shift they take in the playoffs?
1: Every shift? Wow.
0: Eh, $3,000 3, per shift. You know, most for the most part, those guys, it's like 12 shifts per game. So you're talking 36000 or so a game, 40000 a game each. Might work. And it comes down yeah. to their performance. If they're still playing well at, you know, at superstar, my jersey is going into the Raptor levels. I think, that,
1: I think the more realistic thing here is that they're going to have to deal somebody.
0: I I personally think they're going to end up buying someone out.
1: Or, yes, buying someone out. Um, <clears throat> Foligno, we're talking to you.
0: I, it's almost certainly going to be, yes, Foligno. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although, didn't they just sign him? Uh, it was two years ago they signed him. Oh, okay. They didn't. They didn't they give him some kind of extension or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They were expecting actual production out of it.
1: Uh, I mean, it was a, ni- a nice, con- nice, nice story as far as you know, because of because of the family, and he came here because of his daughter and everything, and he really fell in love with Boston. Unfortunately, the on ice product just wasn't there.
0: And they, if they end up trading someone, it's going to be a defenseman. I don't know, uh, if it ends up being Carlo or Grislik. Zimural. Um, isn't see. really going to free up that much money. Oh, okay. I mean, he's the guy you want to give that per game uh, bonus to because he's been appallingly unlucky with health in the last couple of years. Um, but you free up, you trade any one of. Carlo, Grizzlick, even Forbert, you're freeing between 3 and $4.1 million. I mean, I suppose you could throw Riley in there, too. I think that he's the least valuable of those four guys. Um,
1: I mean, they, they they did deal John Moore, which was surprising. They dealt who? John Moore.
0: Uh, the surprises play. that anyone wanted to take him.
1: Uh. I'm wondering if they were I'm wondering if they were willing to or if it just became an evil necessity.
0: If I remember the details of that trade, it was probably a it was probably as much they paid to get rid of him as someone was willing to take him. because
1: uh, yes. we traded that was that was the first round pick and oh no, that was first round pick or and Ainen. That was the um
0: that turned Lindholm. into Nathan Gaucher for Hampus Lindholm, and of course Cody Curran, who's well,
1: he's made he, he's made several appearances for the Bruins, or not?
0: No, no, because <laughs> um, that I mean that trade was yeah Erho, Vakaninen, John Moore, the pick that turned into Nathan Gaucher for Anaheim, and then. A second round pick next year and a second round pick in twenty twenty four.
1: Yes, I um, think I think so the extra, get rid of him. I think the extra picks were to to um, wet the you know you, you, a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah,
0: a couple extra draft, couple extra draft picks helps the John Moore trade go through. <laughs> I think those were the only way that trade was happening because he didn't even play for Anaheim after the, after the trade. He didn't even – not, in, their, not in, the, in Anaheim and not in the AHL. Uh, I believe Cody Curran at least got into AHL games. Yeah, he got into 11 AHL games after the trade. Really, was he any good? Um, he was a plus one in those 11 games with no penalty minutes.
1: Well, that's a star.
0: And also no points.
1: Oh, well, that's not as good then.
0: (laughs) But he didn't take dumb penalties. Just, I mean, that makes him automatically better than Trent Frederick, at least according to Twitter.
1: Okay. I just, I, I, It it just concerns me that. And I understand that they need to get. I, I'm assuming that the the order of business is get Zaka done first. See what we've got left for money. What we've got to do. But the fact that you haven't talked, to, you haven't talked to Bergie, You haven't talked to Krejci. If that's really going to happen, I'm still in the camp that he said no. Until I hear him actually say, you know what, we're talking. Or, or I still haven't heard anything positive from him that he's considering doing this. And that's the other thing, that's the, the the other gorilla in the room is that has anybody actually heard him say he wants to or he's willing to or I haven't. Who? Bergeron? No, Krejci.
0: Great. Great. I've heard I've heard reports that his wife said his agent was negotiating with the Bruins. I haven't looked for because I don't care until it actually happens. Um, I haven't looked for media statements from David Krejci. No, I
1: didn't. I didn't even hear about the wife statement. So at least you're one ahead of me.
0: Uh,
1: because I haven't even heard the wife statement. I haven't heard anything. The the last thing anybody said about Krejci coming back was when they asked Pasta and he laughed and or just smiled or something like, cat that ate the Canary" type thing. When he was over visiting in or was it during like the Olympics or, or the Worlds or something like that? Uh,
0: it was during the Worlds. Um, speaking of.
1: And, and there's another issue. And Fluto brought it up. You know, why haven't the Bruins? Why haven't the Bruins re-signed David Pasternak? Well, uh, A, he's still under contract. Uh, B, he's still under contract, but I understand his concern because this is your superstar. Bergeron's your superstar, but your he's super not going to be a future. Yeah, he's not going to be around much longer. You know, this is this is the guy who's going to end up being the face of the franchise once Bergie and Marchand are no longer playing. And who knows how long, much longer, Marchand going to want to play?
0: He's never Marchand has never played a complete season uh, in the NHL without Bergeron. He's gotten long stretches without him, but it doesn't—it almost doesn't seem to matter who's on the other wing when those two are together. They're still super. They're still highly productive, uh, and of course, they're good in all three zones, going both ways. Um, but how long, I I think that Marshan's desire at this point is a bigger question than the body giving out because he still looks good. He still looks really good.
1: Yeah, but he's going to want to play somewhere like, I don't know, Colorado or... (laughs)
0: Actually, I think by the time that he's – that Bergeron is gone, gone, and Marchand has had a chance to play in Boston without him, mm. he might end up in one of the California teams um, because I think those are the teams that are going to be just about cup-ready in like three, four years. Okay. I, I, it's hard to dislike what the Ducks have done. Yeah, um, they
1: got a good young. They got a good young nucleus there. You got Sam Steele, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, um,
0: and they've got so many draft picks coming
1: up in Jamie the next Drysdale.
0: You've Even got Adam Henrique and Ryan Strom there. Um, Frank Petrano was out there now. Uh, Troy Terry. Um, and the back to. end, the back end is pretty stacked.
1: They need uh, to I was gonna say they need to put Clint people in front of Haller. Gibson because they need to put people in front of Gibson because he got abused last season. Yeah. He got seriously abused. He was looking good at the beginning of the season, but as it went on, it was clear that was he was doing it. He, it was clear he was doing it with smoke and mirrors. But yeah, you got Jamie Drysdale. They've got Rahoe again, as we said from the Bruins. What you know, they'll find out whether he's good, bad, or indifferent. Still got Cam Fowler. Shattenkirk's another year older. They brought in Klingberg for a one-year deal for what seven million. Uh, yes. They need to get yeah. They need people in front of and Gib in front of Gibson because. Another season like last year, and he still got five more. He still got five more years on his contract. At twenty nine years old, he shouldn't have looked the way he looked last year. They were, oof, it was rough at times. So I don't know. Could he end up there? Sure. I just think the Bruins are. They need to. And I know we're asking a lot of Mr. Sweeney. Oh my goodness, we're asking so much of him. You know, do his job. I understand that's a tough thing, but do something. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna get as much as I'd love to see it. You're probably not gonna get JT Miller. You're not gonna get Nazem Kadri. Nope. Who's still available, by the way?
0: You're probably not getting Bo Horvat or Eli- Elias Patterson either, and. Well, I think that contract. I wanted to save the UFA and uh, the UFA talk for next week. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Nazim Kadri still being available is really super interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm just not going to comment on it today. Uh, but we, we've talked about JT Miller twice now. Uh, I think that the, there's an article in the score um, from Josh Wegman. He, he uses the Kachuk deal as a jump-off point for talking about a J.T. Miller to the New Jersey Devils trade. Goes into how Miller had that great season last year, um, and Devils struck out on getting Goudreau. They didn't get Kachuk themselves. Not that I think he wanted to go there, but... Um, Tom Fitzgerald uh, and uh, Patrick Elvin. Uh, Patrick Elvin is the Canucks' general manager. Uh, the two of them worked together in Pittsburgh's front office from 07 to '15. Um, those are those are pretty intriguing factors in terms of why it, why a trade is possible. Um, Why does it make sense? Obviously, the cap space. You've got a lot of players who are going to need signing. Um, But you've got got to give some of those young players not just... You need cap space, but you also need to give some of them a push. Mm -hmm. And say, look, the Sedims... Uh, Ryan Kessler and JT Miller are not coming through that door. If this team's going to the playoffs, this group right here, you 22 players are the ones who are going to have to get us to that 94 point, 98 point, uh, 100 point plateau that it's going to take to get to the playoffs this year. Um, I think trading, I think trading Miller for not just the cap space but the Gibbs slap to the back of the head to multiple players, Mm -hmm. because I think complacency really has been an issue for parts of that team. Um, I also think that there's probably still some long COVID symptoms going through that locker room. Um, and adding, adding a defenseman who's got a little tiny, more a tiny bit more snarl, not that Damon Severson is, Ryan Reeves by any manner, but he's got at least a little more assertiveness than uh, than a guy like Quinn Hughes, who is as close to a pure finesse player as there as exists in the NHL. Plus, he's still—I mean, he's still offensively production productive. He had mm-hmm. forty-six points in eighty games last year with eleven goals yes. on a team that was. <clears throat> Not good. Um, um no. Weckman also goes into who else would need to be added on the New Jersey side. Um, and he puts in a prospect, uh, taken 20th in 2020. Uh, Shakir. Oh, Mooka Madulan. Madulan.
1: Madulan. Madulan. I believe. Mooka Yeah. Um, that's not happening.
0: Yeah, I, you know, given the Devils' system, I think it's possible. I really think it's possible because we'll talk about the prospect rankings in a minute. But he's, I think he's expendable based on everyone else in their system who should hit the NHL.
1: Damon Severson right now is their best defenseman. He played, he averaged more time on ice than a guy that they're paying considerably more money to in Dougie Hamilton.
0: Everyone knew the Dougie Hamilton contract was a bad idea. Okay. Everyone outside the devil's front office knew the Dougie Hamilton contract was a bad idea. Well, and they, they already had. I mean, it could, it, it could be why Shero is not around anymore. Don't get me wrong. Um, Well, between that and P.K. Subban's last contract, which he did not do justice to in his last year or two. Do I blame the players in that situation? Never.
1: I just – I – I understand why they're making these offers. And, yes, JT Miller is worth it. My question is uh, – Trading this much defense is going to set you back how far to get a guy who can play both center and left wing. He actually can play all three positions, but he plays primarily center and left wing. Uh, He's physical, which in the East is going to be a A, A plus.
0: But it's also Miller's 200-foot game, which except for – Having Eric Halla on the roster at this point, I'm not convinced there's enough of to be valuable or to make the team playoff viable. Now, even with Miller, in light of the defensive diminishment, I guess, mm-hmm. I think that that's still just a slightly different balance of not quite good enough for the playoffs. But if you if you're picture yourself as a UFA um, defenseman next season or a defenseman with a limited no trade clause where you get to name your eight or 10 teams you're willing to be traded to. If you know that the forward position at at least at center is solid, you've got good wingers um, with that, with that core of JT Miller and, I guess. Uh, you've is, got Nico sure you've I got.
1: This is Miller plays a wing on this team because Hughes and sure are going to be your top two centers.
0: But if you can have one, two, three down the middle, Hughes, sure. and Miller, and, it, and paying five million for your three C is is a bit. But,
1: but I don't think he's. But okay, I see where you're going with it, but I don't think that's going to happen. Have
0: three, and you say put you have Tatar somewhere on one of your top lines. You have Pilat somewhere on one of your top lines. You put Hala with Miller and you have a legit shutdown third line. Um, you've got, Je- you've got Jesper Brat. You can put him on that top line or the second line, whichever you're going to call, uh, whichever you're going to call it. Um, you, you can do I- some interesting stuff.
1: I know. Let's ask Mackenzie Blackwood who he'd rather have.
0: Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Mackenzie Blackwood has competition in net this year uh, because they have VTech Vanacek uh, as, as well. And Vanacek, A, is paid more and B, is signed for three seasons, not just one.
1: Yes, he's paid more because he signed a new contract. Mackenzie Blackwood is an RFA at the end of this season and will probably get probably closer to four, four and a half. Maybe. My but concern what? with Blackwood and my my concern always with Blackwood is not his time on the ice. My concern with him is his time off the ice primarily because he always seems to be injured.
0: And that's because he's a a really good goaltender when he's on the ice. That's why they brought in a veteran to play with him. He's going to be a 1A, 1B guy, which is, I think, what most NHL teams are really, really angling for, whether they're willing to admit it to their theoretical number one goaltender or not, because I think the days, I'm pretty certain the days of 65 game or more uh, performances or there, seasons from your number one there's row
1: there's still a few out there uh we already named one of them in Christa- in in John Gibson
0: but can you can you play in the current NHL at an elite level 65 72 I games?
1: don't I don't I don't think it's a good idea at all I think that I think that John Gibson would be a much better goaltender if they had a backup and Gibson could only ha- and Gibson would only have to play in like 53 or 55
0: <laughs> yeah I I hundred percent agree you know you give him give give the guy a night off for Christs sake <laughs> give him just four out of five games make that the rotation I mean Stolars
1: did a nice job and I don't want to go back to Anaheim but Stolars did a nice job in the few games that he actually came in when he wasn't forced in due to injury, but uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta give John a break. And unfortunately in Anaheim, he turned into the uh, Cam Ward of the, of the NHL.
0: Yeah. playing or, government mule
1: is uh, or, or, or not good you know, for anyone or, or King Henry or King Henry or, or, <laughs> I mean, there, there were a few of them. He, he's still the standout as far as <laughs> the guys who are putting in the work. But now, give, the I, guy, give the guy a break.
0: You were talking about defense and the Devils giving up too much in this proposed trade. Uh, uh, One of the reasons I'm okay with it. Um, we have that article out of the out of the Athletic ranking the top fifty NHL prospect pools. Yes. Top fifty prospects.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two of the top four are defensemen, a right and a left, Luke Hughes and Simon Nemec, um, and they both belong to the Devils. Um, you go down to number 17, you've got Alex Holtz, a winger. Uh, so that's three of the top 17 for one team. I wanted to, uh, and then they have – I want to say that they had a –
1: Luke Hughes. Is, <clears throat> Luke Hughes is not available to them because Luke Hughes, if I'm not mistaken, is playing at Michigan.
0: But it's he's still in their system. And quite frankly, ne- college if they if the if the devils called him tomorrow and said, We're flying the assistant general manager to your home. With a contract, it's got a, it's got a very nice bonus, and we're guaranteeing you no less than 17 minutes a night through your first 25 games. Are you interested in signing? I think he's saying yes.
1: Depends on a, how much education is important to him. Uh I think that where the team is is going to actually impact a decision more than some would give more than some would give credence to. I think if the team is really failing, really struggling out of the box, and they come to him and say, "Look, you know, we need your help. Here's the offer. This is what we can guarantee, or this is what we can offer," I think that. Depending on how they're performing at that time, I think that's going to weigh on the on the decision. I'm not I, ruling it. I'm not ruling it out. I mean, they've already got Sam, they've already got Simon Nemich signed. I don't know that Simon Nemich is going to be starting on the NHL roster. I think he's going to be starting in the minors.
0: You think that the fourth best prospect in the NHL is? Starting the season in the the AHL. The fourth best prospect. Well, gee, not if they trade Damon Severson.
1: I just don't, I don't, I don't see this as a good move for that. As much as I, I, you know, and yes, okay. I want to see JT Miller come to Boston. I know it's not going to happen. So that has no impact on this decision. I just don't think it's a good move to trade away defense, especially, Severson uh Severson, when your other defensemen are <clears throat> Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, uh Ryan Graves, okay.
0: Yeah. I Super like John runner. Marino probably more than most people.
1: I like John Marino as well. I I wished he hadn't gone to Pittsburgh, believe me. Because they don't know how to use defensemen in Pittsburgh, hence why he's now with the devils. <laughs> Uh, but I still I don't see him as Damon Severson is still their most important defenseman. I just don't see dealing him away as as a as a good move. But if if you f- if they feel that comfortable with having Simon Nemich step in, then okay, go for it. I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of it. I, I, if you could find a way to make the deal without including Severson, that'd be great. I think you have to include him because of the
0: money. Oh, that's that's always going to be a factor. Is the cash? Um, someone pointed out on Twitter that a big factor stopping a lot of deals this year or this offseason is the fact that no contenders or near contenders have anything like real cap space.
1: Well, that's because uh, flat cap or or no cap expen you know no increase in cap spending. I mean, I get it. Uh, you got to keep playing the players, but I just I don't know. I I think the Devils are better off staying pat, keeping their defense intact. You look at what you look at what a solid defense does in Carolina. You look at what a solid defense did for. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. Comparing the defense of the New Jersey Devils to what's going on in Carolina. A, not and comparing. quality teams. A,
1: not comparing. I just said, look what a solid defense did or has done for Carolina. Not comparing. Because my next statement was going to be, look what a solid defense did for the Predators before they broke it all apart because they had to or thought it was a great idea. David Poyle usually doesn't make foolish moves, but. You know, when you look at the defense, the defenses that those two franchises alone have had, it, yeah, defense is kind of an important thing. And I think moving out of Damon Severson to get a J.T. Miller, while trading talent for talent, I think in this case it's just not the best move. You've got a lot of young talent on this team that can score goals. Why not hang on to the guys whose job it is to help the goalie keep the puck out of the zone and out of the net.
0: Do you think that how big of a points difference do you think it would really, really make with, with Severs out and Miller? Do you think that the devils are five points worse, five points better about the same? I don't think it's better enough to move them into
1: a playoff spot
0: i I don't know that there's a viable path to a playoff spot this year for either with either with with either player um or even both, assuming that could be managed.
1: And ultimately, you're trading away one. UFA at the end of the season for another UFA at the end of the season.
0: That is certainly correct. Um, the only other useful argument for uh, for this uh, or point of discussion, Severson is a year or two younger. Um, mm-hmm. He is one of their covet- those coveted right-handed defensemen, but they also have a surplus of those. Hamilton, who is going to be there till the heat death of the universe, or they buy him out because he's got nine million until 27, 20 the end of the twenty seven twenty eight season.
1: <sighs> Yuck. And, oh, by the way, Severson actually had more points than Hamilton. Um,
0: Don't even get me started on Dougie. I that had that been a three or four year contract when he signed it, it wouldn't have been terrible, but. The actual contract is legitimately terrible. And yes, I believe that's part of that resume generating event that we saw not too long ago. Um,
1: but oh, and by the way, Severson had eight points in ten games with Canada at the World Cup at the world championship
0: on the on the right hand side, you have, as I mentioned, as we mentioned earlier, Simon Nemich, uh, Dougie Hamilton, John Marino. And Damon Severson. Yes. So letting one go, not the end of the world. Plus, deal, Dougie. Du- <laughs> Plus, you have Brendan Smith, who plays both defense, uh, both sides, and also left wing.
1: Ah, uh, another Brent Burns.
0: Uh, and then, and you know, we also mentioned that other Hughes kid who has been practicing with his siblings. Um, Luke Hughes has spent the summer uh, training intensely before heading off to uh, the IIHF uh, tournament. Um, Michigan, great year last year. uh, At the 2022 World uh, Championships, he partnered with Seth Jones for a little bit. Um, up against Krejci and Pasternak uh, in one game. Hughes um, is eligible to play in the World Juniors this year and next year. Um, he's been skating at home with a couple of guys who people may have heard of, uh, Dylan Larkin, Kyle Connor, um, his brothers, uh, Jack and Quinn, and, um, And Nate Lehman, who coaches Providence College um, and the U.S. World Junior Team, uh, noticed a difference in Hughes from December to July at the first practice for the National Junior Evaluation Camp. Quote, Mm -hmm. I think his awareness on the ice has improved. We did a lot of stuff where he had to read through some layers. I thought he was good and poised, and he did that. He's definitely grown in his game. Um... That's good. If the Devils really want to season him at the NHL level, I think the competition is better and going to push him harder than returning to than returning to Michigan. Now, physical development, maybe some of the ice stuff, that you know, personal maturity and personal responsibility stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That. That might be better developed in college where, well, at least among other things, there's a whole lot less disposable income to do stupid things with. Um, I can't help but wondering if, if jumping into the NHL this year is a better thing for the devils in the three to four year term versus him going back to Michigan.
1: Okay.
0: He's not a big guy. So yeah, I think that there's definitely some, there's more than a little value to him playing a second college season. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, slapping on five, six, seven pounds and hitting 190 on that 60 frame. Um, but it can be argued either way. Um, I definitely think having him go to the World Juniors this year and next year, um, unless he's playing full time for the Devils and they're in that uh, playoff hunt, is would, dev- would is absolutely going to accelerate his development. Um, I think at that age, just having different partners to read off of is valuable. Um, but for that next stage of development, getting that familiarity and getting the reps against the Stamkoses and the Kachuk's and the um, and the McDavid's and the Marshans, um, who are all rather different players, uh, is what you need for a defenseman. You'll notice that the players that he's
1: been skating with are all former Michigan alums.
0: Uh, not all of them, but yes.
1: Well, Jack isn't. Jack didn't go to Michigan, but it's his brother. Quinn did. Kyle Connor did. Dylan Larkin did. <laughs> um, I like Luke Hughes. Don't get me wrong. F- f- fabulous talent. I mean, you look at his numbers. The only fret, and and yes, I know how you feel about the Hobie Baker Award, but the only freshman to finish in the top ten finalists for the Hobie Baker, which. Whether he wins it or doesn't win it, it's still given to the best college player in the country. Whether it's a, a, a whether it, it, it's a Jinx or not, so thirty nine points and forty one
0: games. I just think it's a sign that a player has Pe- possibly plateaued.
1: Ah, me. Can he come in and be a Kale McCarr or or oh look. Zach Zacharyewensky, another Michigan kid. Um, can he come in and and be of that ilk? I think so. I, I think that he'd be wise to spend one more season in college and then come out. But I just I I don't like this deal. I just don't like this deal for for the Devils. Uh, I realize that. I realize that Vancouver can use help defensively, and Quinn Hughes could certainly use the <laughs> could certainly use the help, and a Damon Severson would certainly improve Vancouver. But I just don't like this deal for the Devils.
0: Okay, what else is on the board for today?
1: Uh let's see. Um, what is this Philly Hockey Now thing going on?
0: Oh yeah, that one. Um, we Something we actually don't officially have on the board, but we talked about just before the show, Matthew Kachuk's press conference upon signing <laughs> in the floor. Thank you for making me watch that, by the way. Appreciate it. This is legitimately everything, everything, everything I have been begging for in hockey for more than a decade. Rivalries? rivalries and letting the players have and show a personality on the ice, off the ice, in the press box. Matthew Kachuk, very, and I'm going to say it's a very calculated press conference. I think he had points he wanted to hit when he sat down um i think he had a good idea of what the questions he was going to be asked were or at least the general shape well you have to have you you have to
1: when you sit down at one of those press conferences you know uh, just of what you're going to be getting you know they're going to be asking you know how you felt about the deal you know how the family react how did it all go down things like that you know you have an idea of what people are going to ask and yes i do believe that reputation questions in his case are going to creep into the press conference
0: oh they they were going to but like my legit favorite moment of the press conference is him referring to the back to back Stanley Cup champion team that has uh, that has all sorts of trophy winner individual trophy winners on it as the team at the other end of the state <laughs> That's just brilliant. That's just brilliant, beautiful, and exactly what the sport needs.
1: Now he did and name he did name that other team later on, toward
0: the end of the con- toward the end of the presser. On. And I, but, you know, I I'm not trying to read too much into it, just so we have something to talk about. Uh huh. But if you read the level of respect that he uses at the end of that, of that press conference, it, it might possibly be something you could construe as sort of little bit of a dig at the whole team because they were the Stanley cup champions. They were the best team. They, you know, they've done that. I'm not saying he called them a bunch of washed up old farts who are over the hill or anything like that. But if you view it through the lens of the reputation that he's supposed to have, I mean, imagine you're Drew Doughty and you're watching his press conference. Drew Doughty does not like Matthew Kachuk very much. No, I'm not apparently, sure.
1: apparently he and Evander Kane are not exactly best buddies either.
0: I'm OK with that.
1: Oh, I'm, I didn't say I wasn't. I'm just saying apparently they're not best buddies either. <laughs> his
0: the,
1: his little feuds are his little feuds to use a word from WWE. His little feuds are not with like lightweight. They're not with lightweight no name players. His feuds
0: are with heavyweight, big but time. <laughs> but. If you're viewing it through the lens of Drew Doughty or people who just don't like Matthew Kachuk, Keith Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, anyone in that family. Can you maybe, maybe think that he that his respect was just a little too deep for the team? I think he can. Okay. I really think he can.
1: Like I said, he did. Refer- he did finally call him Tampa at the end of. He, he, but it was in the context of, <clears throat> you know, I still uh, I still hate Edmonton. Now I just hate Tampa more. Now.
0: <laughs> Look, uh, I will never, ever, 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 ever question the need for rivalries in sports and the fact that it happened in a town where hockey has not yet become a main event for the city. It's
1: beautiful. I'm, I'm pretty sure in what, when I was watching that press conference, I'm pretty sure that while Bill Zito was trying to feign cringing he was actually smirking and
0: underneath the table rubbing his hands together. Oh, I'm sure that the oh, I'm sure that ownership, if they weren't actually watching the press conference when they heard it, probably started rubbing their hands together and like adding like three percent to their anticipated earnings off of like uh, off of the pro shop this year. Let's see, how many how many games how many games aren't a sellout yet?
1: Okay, those are going to be sellouts.
0: Okay, because <laughs> like they can probably they probably sold like five hundred extra extra K-Turk jerseys in t- uh, in uh, Sunrise just because of that press conference just that day.
1: They probably I, sold five hundred jerseys the minute the trade was announced.
0: Yes, and I, look, if I lived in Tampa. If I I would hate the fact that Matthew Tkachuk is going to be on the other side, because not only is he a big guy who can who can throw down, not yes. only is he skilled, but he's he, fast enough to hit your best players. Here's the here here's the issue I have if I'm Tampa,
1: I'm sitting there if I'm Coop or if I'm Patrice Briezuel the GM, and I'm trying to figure out which guy he's going to target, because they're not exactly. Laden with a lot of physical, big, tough. I mean, they're not
0: a not a team of shrinking violence though. Hedman can handle him. I mean, they don't have their own Ryan Reeves or Evander Kane or Nazem Kadri. Does yeah, but does Tampa make a deal to bring
1: in some physical guy? I mean, okay, Patrick is is Maroon even still there? They
0: have Cernak. uh, They have Cernak who is pretty physical. They have Ian Cole, who's still uh, who's still pretty physical.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Alex Korn, no, not so much. Ross Colton, a little bit. They've got Corey Perry uh, and Patrick Maroon still, who are both big beefy boys who don't back down from anyone. Uh, I think they're going to be okay. Okay. I, I all right. I mean, I still wouldn't want to be Brayden Point or Nikita Kucherov when Matthew Kachuk lines up when I'm on the ice. <laughs>
1: Stamkos,
0: she, or Stamkos. I mean, <clears throat> no one. <clears throat> I can't. No one can question Steve Stamkos' heart, desire to play, love of the game, um, willingness to take punishment. I mean, it's sad that he's still only 6'1", 194 pounds, and I think that number might be high. Sad. Um, and, Sad's not the right word, and not, not, up to, uh, Kachuk's level of brutality.
1: I, it, it's it's eerie that I'm sitting here, and my first thought is. Not how I'm going to play against him, or what can we do to slow him down, or my first thought is who is he going to who is he going to target?
0: The answer is <laughs> everyone.
1: Well, everyone to start with until he gets that uh, until he gets that reaction, like from a Drew Doughty going, or an Evander
0: Someone King. is going to single themselves out by uh-huh. losing their um, excrement really early.
1: Uh huh,
0: and acting a fool it's this is we're looking if he has his way we're looking at uh, Lucic Comisarek with him playing the part of Lucic <laughs> it's going to be an interesting season down in Florida boys and girls <laughs> they should be like if, if ESPN hasn't already grabbed those games For the for national broadcast, every one of those games for the season, uh, someone needs to be fired at the network. Someone needs to be fired. You have two teams who are very who are legitimate cup contenders still. You now have that sort of personality and you've got Corey Perry on the other side who knows how to get under people's skin.
1: Nicholas Paul's got some got some he's, size to him. He,
0: he's also not a shrinking violet. He's I, 6'3",
1: 219. I just don't know what his physical game is like.
0: My, my bigger question is who else is going to get uh, – is going to be as willing to mix it up for the Panthers because while Kachuk doesn't have a fight, a game, or anything like that, I don't see Sam Reinhardt and Sam Bennett um, or uh, jumping in to every single scrum. No. Vlad, okay, you've got Radko Gudis. Um, yeah. He's certainly willing to play physically. Um, <laughs> well, that's a nice way of putting it, but okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think that this could be the best rivalry in the NHL this year.
1: The fact this that we're sitting here on our show planning out who's going to do what to whom and who should be worried. and
0: It's July 31st. It's quarter of one. And we're talking about games out of market. Yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be real. Oh, yeah.
1: And and the whole thing started because it, it, the, the title of the article was something to do with Philly, and we didn't even talk about Philly. So oh, they... yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> the Kachuk... Uh, Sam Karchidi... Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologize if I butchered it. Oh, Karsh- oh Karshidi. Uh, Karshidi uh posted an article on the 30th so yesterday... Um, he gives the countdown, which is 53 days at this point until training camps open. 53. Um, I Oof. didn't so, cheer when I read that number. That's a long time. I might have jumped up and down, but I didn't cheer. Um, he talks about a couple of things going on in the NHL. You know, the Islanders, instead of signing good players, spent $25,000 on Mega Millions tickets. Um, 25000 I thought it was fifty. Oh, fifty thousand. They bought twenty-five thousand dollars into uh, twenty-five thousand tickets. But yeah, they're two dollars a ticket. Uh, he talks about Ryan Ellis as the key for whether the Philadelphia Flyers will make a lot of improvement this season, which is I can kind ar- of argue with. Yeah. Um, I also like the fact that they signed Owen Tippett. I think he's right that this is a guy who's on the verge of a breakout uh, breakout season. Um, Joel Farabee, who had a solid, solid year. Um, And I I just want to, I think that we, we predicted, or I predicted last year, Billy, Billy was going to make the playoffs. They had a lot of injuries starting with Ellis um, who played four games and never returned. Um, And then the rest were a hot mess as well. Uh, Add in who their coach was at the start of the season. Yeah, um, not going anywhere. But he also touches on how little how little um, Matthew Kachuk and, Edmund t- and uh, Evander Kane like each other. Um, uh, yes. He says it will be must-watch TV when their teams meet next season. He compares it to Dave Schultz and Terry O'Reilly.
1: Those were some fun times.
0: Pause the show. Pause the show. Wander on over to the Google machine. Pull up some videos just by adding those two names, and please warn anyone else in the room about the potential for blood and gore.
1: As, as I said, those were some fun times.
0: Um, and he he points to the Sammy Silver of the Wash of Washington Hockey Now uh, for having the story on the Kane. Uh, Kachuk dislike. Yes. Um, And some of it is a response of Kane to uh, to Kachuk's press conference. And guess what? I'm
1: here for it. I didn't even hear that.
0: I'm here for it. Oh, absolutely. There you go. Okay. This.
1: I, I I think that I think that Matthew Kachuk going to Florida is a good thing.
0: Um, I mean, <laughs> at some point, Matthew or going back to last year uh, when Evander Kane ended up filing for bankruptcy in January of 2021, Matthew Kachuk uh, apparently chirped him, "You want some money?" I there's this has all the potential to be fun. Both of those guys know how to use their skates, their hockey stick, and their fists. I love it. Like If I'm watching out-of-market games as I do every season, I'm going to be watching some Florida Panthers games. I'm going to be making sure I watch Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning or the team at the other end of the state. And uh, now some Oilers and Panthers games. So, before we step
1: away from the Kachuks, when they all get together for Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, does Matthew rub it in Brady's face that he's getting $1.3 million more a year?
0: (laughs) Well, it's... Actually, when you get when you break down the fact that Florida really doesn't have an income tax, it's even more than that. So oh, okay. It's. And and
1: and Brady is actually paying value added tax or whatever they call it up there in Canada. So yeah, he's got, uh, he's got more to pay out. But I just it, the Kachuk household is, I'm dad played, but unfortunately back then they didn't pay the players what they were. Now they're at least getting decent contracts. Uh, in in terms of all sports they might still be a little behind but
0: they're definitely behind what they're paying even relief pitchers in the and in, in major league baseball i mean come on you go out there you throw the ball 40 times and you do that every 5 to 7 days and you still make like 8 million a year mm, but, his da- no. but his dad
1: looking at his two sons and going 17 million dollars between the two he is <clears throat>
0: <laughs> One so of you better buy me a car. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. When are we? When am I getting a new house out of this deal? What's what's going on? <laughs> uh, last, uh, aside from what I have marked as the last item, anything else we want to talk about?
1: Uh, at this point, no, because the other story we're going to move to next week since it involves um, free agents or whatever. So
0: <sighs> sometimes I despair for humanity. Yeah, Probably those times are when I'm reading the comments section and in some cases, large portions of Twitter.
1: You know, the rule is you're not supposed to read comments, although I'm guilty. I do it, too.
0: A couple of days ago, I see this tweet uh, from Fire the Cannon, a Jackets, uh, a Jackets fan account. After trading for Matthew Kachuk and trading away Huberto, Uygar, uh Schwint and a first round pick. Bill Zito has become the first GM to trade after doing drugs. We can only assume it was a lot of something you should never try. To which my immediate response was, someone clearly never heard of the 60s or the 70s. Because... <laughs> holy... My, my first house. response would have been, Fire
1: uh, Fire the Cannon is the first person to tweet out after doing drugs. Uh,
0: Equally I would, like, I would, of course, equally, have been very like
1: wrong, but
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, I I invite anyone who believes that that is even remotely possible to go back and watch uh, behavior from I'm the sixties i
1: I'm willing to bet that whoever fired the cannon is is getting the response he was looking for, which is somebody like us or somebody's like us talking about his wonderful addition to the conscience of of the world. Uh, Because hashtag CBJ, hashtag time to hunt, hashtag bolts will always own you. Uh, I'm guessing that Fire the Cannon doesn't really know or hasn't watched a lot of Matthew Kachuk.
0: Or possibly hockey in general. Well, I
1: mean, he's a Blue Jackets fan, so... Maybe he hasn't watched good hockey. I don't know. You had John Tortorella up there. You let his. You let him go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, should you happen to know a hockey fan in Whitehall, Ohio, who occasionally says silly things in real life, it's probably this person.
1: Because he says silly things on Twitter too.
0: Yep, and that hockey fans is where we'll leave you. Have a wonderful week. Uh, Watch us on Twitter. I did put up a poll on whether people thought that uh, we should, or that the A. Thatcher-Demco trade was viable for the Canucks. I'll probably add another one or two polls uh, at some point this week. Um, That one is going to run probably through Wednesday at some point, um, and I'll think of something, or maybe not, uh, to put up At that time, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Share with your friends or family, random people on the street. Until next time.